Hello, AnnaFam. Welcome back to Chatty AF, the anime feminist podcast and our watch-along of Princess Tutu. My name is Vry. I'm an editor and contributor at Anime Feminist. You can find me on Twitter at WriterVry. Find the stuff I do in my pinned thread or find my other podcast at TrashPod. And with me once again are Miranda and Chiaki. Hello! Back again. Very excited. I have so many thoughts. Good, good. Uh, Just a quick introduction. Of course, my name is Miranda Sanchez. I work at IGN as a senior editor. Um, I work on video game content and also a lot of anime stuff as well. And hello, I am uh, Chiaki Hirai. I am one of the editors with Anime Feminist, one of the newest ones. Uh, Aside from working on the website, I'm a beat reporter for a Japanese-American newspaper in San Francisco. Uh, You can find me on Twitter at Chiaki747. Um, and it's a permanently locked account, but go ahead and ask for a follow. I don't mind. All right. We are into the first half of the, some people call it the second season, the the second core. There we go. Of Tutu. How are you feeling? Uh. (laughs) That was a lot. Not, uh, not, Not the reaction I expected to have. I'm, I'm interested, though. I'm interested. <laughs> Tell me all your thoughts. Well, it feels like Muto's kind of gone Peter Parker a la Spider-Man 3. <laughs> <laughs> and it pains me so much. Like, okay. I I adore his little black crown. Like, it's very cute. <laughs> Feathers look good on him. But his attitude is too much. I cannot take it. <laughs> Every time he appears, I'm just like, can you can you stop? Just go away. <laughs> Someone rip out his heart. Do something. I don't care. We can't remove the plot device for that, <laughs> as as they will remind you multiple times. Yep. So, uh, it's it's kind of a slog until like the last two episodes of these uh, seven that we watched. I. I don't know. I was sad to be a little bit down. At first, I was excited, and then as I realized what they were doing, it felt like it was falling back into the patterns of the first half mm-hmm. um, that we've kind of already seen. It's like there's an encounter, and then, you know, Tutu comes in, kind of talks them through their problems, and then it's over. Mm-hmm. And then it does the same thing again, which is because we've already seen that, and this is a shorter show, It's that's not really what I was looking for, or at least what I was mm-hmm. hoping for. Um, I am glad that we get more Fakir and Rue, though. So. They're both so good. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> How about you, Chiaki? I, I, I definitely will... I, I kind of dub this as the Gigolo arc, in my opinion. Because, <laughs> yeah, Muto just kind of became... It took a 180 as far as his character goes. I, for one, I was like really happy that he has so much... He has actual emotion now. And I'm so happy about that but at the same time he evil he's super evil though <laughs> like like real evil though and terrible yeah i'm like to everyone man i i know it's it's the raven's blood talking there but like don't you recognize that all this shitty stuff you're doing right now is the same shitty stuff that was that was being done to you like come on dude <laughs> it's it's bad yeah this these first episodes do bear a lot of deliberate echoes of the first half of of the uh of the show which i can see how uh it, it gets a little bit 
it's a little bit of a grind to get back into because you you just got into the rhythm of things escalating magnificently at the first half and now it's kind of you back to back to ground zero a little bit Mm -hmm. yeah it's we got that great payoff and now it's like okay back to the rhythm of what we had before Mm -hmm. in a way yeah no totally i um you know this this many times in i sort of appreciate it mechanically as far as you know here is the same thing but everything is subtly different but when you're watching it the first time and you're really emotionally invested in what's going to happen next it's like oh we're doing this again mm-hmm. i've definitely had that experience with other shows that do the similar thing you know it's it's definitely a magical girl thing where all right we've started a new season and here are your new here is your new power set and here is your introductory set of episodic encounters i think the hard thing there too is that chita doesn't even get a new power set like she doesn't change she's still just doing her let me talk you through this problem except Mm -hmm. it's a different kind of problem kind of (laughs) right she's different she's fighting different putties yeah (laughs) but it's it's the same yeah Uh, yeah, um, I mean, I think that that is is fair. Personally, my uh, my hang up with this set of episodes is uh, Uzuru is really annoying. Oh my yes. gosh! Every time she comes up, I am also very angry. I'm like, don't don't you bang that drum, girl? Like, you stop, please don't talk. Just if you're gonna bang the drum, fine, but don't talk. Uh, I feel bad because her her voice actress isn't, I think, the best, and it. It's kind of grating to just to hear her talk, and sometimes it's actually really hard to understand what she's saying. Mm-hmm. So, she's, yeah, oh. I'm not sure if they picked an actual child voice actor in the dub, or if they've just got some woman doing a very a small child's voice. But it is grating. I recall this very clearly, <laughs> and I I appreciate that what they're trying to do with the character is is you know she's everybody is questioning their roles and she is somebody who is literally born anew of the ashes of a puppet but mm-hmm. she's really annoying though mm-hmm. yeah it's <laughs> right it's a lot and you were mm-hmm. you were watching it in japanese right i am yeah is is she as annoying as um in the english dub oh oh rest assured she's always extremely irritating okay <laughs> you can't escape it no matter no, what we do. It, it is not a Femio situation. <laughs> <laughs> I um I I was realizing as I watched this spate of episodes that I think this is the first time I've gone I, I've watched the Japanese dub before, but I think this is the first time I've watched it all the way through in Japanese, just because I love Lucy Christian's duck so dang much. And uh, I got to the Femio episode, which I've always found really tiresome in the past, and it turns out in Japanese it's actually funny. I was shocked. Oh, what a relief. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's, he's so much. <laughs> yeah, rest, don't worry, listeners. Not only uh, not only is Vic Mignogna a shit person, he's also a terrible actor who drags down an episode with a really exhausting performance. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, his Japanese performer is doing an, an almost Akio in Utena type voice. It's like upsettingly deep for the character design (laughs) and it's very very funny what the heck yeah and they have they have done this weird reverb on like half of his lines it's good it's absurd (laughs) and it does not translate into the dub at all that's how it should be it should be absurd Uh uh-huh that's perfect yeah i this time around watching that episode it felt very much speaking of utana like uh like one of the nanami episodes if both of you have seen utana right oh yes 
Oh, I it... haven't. I'm sorry. <gasps> Sh- oh, shit. <gasps> it's okay. Oh, shit. It's okay. You can spoil it no, all you okay. like. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this isn't... Uh, the, the Nanami episodes tend to be the most absurd because just comically terrible things happen to her, but then they'll turn around and also be the most stealth stab you in the gut saddest episodes mm. when you sit, sit think about them and i feel like the femio episode is that for rue mm. okay that makes a lot of sense okay i could see that it's a great girl not a my like... favorite character so <laughs> she's so good good she's really she's good so yeah there good. was there was a lot of utana vibes in this like the whole the overall kind of reminded me of of black rose uh, of the black rose saga a little bit yeah yeah Mm-hmm. I was thinking that too. It's like, huh? PK's got some real uh, Wakaba vibes going on. Yeah, I I love how much more involved they have been in this part. Um, Lilia is just so devious, and I love that they just let that shine, just like unabashedly. <laughs> we're sh- we're hosting a heartbreak party. Like she's celebrating <laughs> it, and I love it. It's like who does that? She's Lilia, a terrible just... sadist, and I love that. <sighs> yeah, uh, that might be the show's funniest. <laughs> running character joke mm-hmm. is that the, this weirdly supportive best friend is a bloodthirsty sadist it's so good yeah I, I feel like i rarely ever see a character like that too and that's that's what i always look for whenever i'm watching a new show it's like okay yes what sort of interesting things are you doing with your direction your story but what about your characters like do you have anybody that's bringing something really new to the table and she definitely does that mm-hmm. yeah it's even even going forward into modern stuff, it is not a joke I have seen reused too often. Yeah, which is a shame because it's fantastic. I mean, even if it <laughs> uh-huh. is, it's generally like people who are really, really like into being sadists and not really being supportive. Right, in in like a fetishy way, almost. Right. Yeah. yeah. Or or it tips into like the something like, oh, what was the most recent show that did it? Uh Chio School Road had the the weird. Pre- I feel like it turns into predatory lesbian really fast. Mm-hmm. Like, and this this walks a very careful balance with her, where where it is absurd, but also fairly harmless because the show's ex- established its slapstick so well, and because, like you said, she she is kind of there for her, and Duck also doesn't realize how horrible she is. Like, it's a it's a careful type rope that I'm kind of impressed by. Right. And I think at the end of the day, she's usually goading on things that she knows Ducks likes or is mostly willing in or into, mm-hmm. except for the Fakir stuff, which maybe maybe she's right about that, too. Who knows? Um, we just don't know. <laughs> but it is. I don't know. I just love her. She's great. Yeah, I did want to ask. Uh, that's good enough segues. Any, how you guys are uh, feeling about the the sort of heavier focus on romance like love stories were a big part of the first half but this is more about romance as a narrative plot goal i guess rather than just sort of characters being in love and that driving some of their actions if that makes sense essentially everybody is very concerned with whether duck and fakir are going to get together (laughs) yeah um first of all i don't want that i think they're great they're great pair great friends Hmm. let them be friends i think i think they're good that way um it's good to have a great pal who understands you in a different way and you can be supportive of each other and that's kind of how i see them Mm. um but i do like that it's trying to explore what romance is and what that means for every person and like different points of life as well Mm -hmm. yeah each like as much as it kind of sucks to grind down into doing the the weekly 
the the weekly monster of the week thing again it does give the show the opportunity to look at these these different character snapshots which is neat yeah um i think the last episode with i think i saw her name spelled rachel somewhere but they call her retzel yeah that's um it has to be because it's a reference to a to a story or a ballet. I didn't look it up. Yeah, so Sound I'll call in the comments. I'll uh, call her Rutzel, I guess. Um, yeah. It just reminds me of food. It's very weird. Rutzel. Anyway, um, yes. Yeah. So with her, I think her through line of like romance is really interesting because they've pulled up these romantic stories before, but like I think this one's interesting because it skews older, um, mm-hmm. and kind of seeing her work through her own emotions for two men that she's cared about for a long time is interesting just because we have we generally deal with you know kids so yeah i think it's cool seeing them be involved in that at least yeah i mean for a given value of older given that like considering the ages of the protagonist Ritzel is probably like 17 or 18 because she has she has that toss line of like you know it's not unusual for people my age to start getting married and I'm like okay you're still a teenager oh yeah she looks super young and like if she was playing with Muto and Fakir when they were younger then she's not like that much older so yeah yeah but it is really interesting I I like that episode given that like it enforces that somebody isn't monstrous if they like somebody like more than one somebody as it were right that that, like that was so sweet it just proves how much you love them and i'm like oh good duck good duck preparing for for the good polyamorous feels in your heart you disaster bisexual (laughs) oh dear i love her her episode with freya my god this girl um but i i also really like that her feelings for her father figure are hers like he's clearly not entertaining this yes and it is a legitimate hardship for her that she's not ready to give this up but the show isn't also like maybe there's a forbidden love with the man who raised her as a small child no (laughs) not that though Mm -hmm. yeah it's like she can be confused about her feelings and then work through and understand them and by the end of the episode they they do state that like she figured that out and like what that means to her and and it's good it is good. It is nice. And I like, speaking of Freya, I do like that her episode isn't about being in love with someone at all. She, she's just really into gardening. My God, yeah. loves that gardening. <laughs> she's so extra when she waters flowers. <laughs> and Duck is impressed. I'm also and impressed. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Who wouldn't be? <laughs> I mean, doesn't everyone pillowette when they water their gardens? Yeah. Oh, yeah, um, that's common knowledge, in fact. (laughs) That's how you keep the flowers happy. And I love, as much as the uh, literally everybody wondering about Fakir and and Duck can be a little bit, I think the most traditionally shoujo that the show gets, Mm -hmm. uh, in terms of like school, schoolgirl shoujo, I like that the show keeps bringing it up in terms of like, Lilier wants it to be well, now you have to fight other girls and and duck is very confused and doesn't want to do this yeah i like that she's been challenging like these notions that they're kind of pressuring on her and letting them have their fun with it in a way mm-hmm. but also like registering we get to see her like hear her internally like figure that out as well too yeah, and it's a nice message to see rejected 
in a because I, I feel like western animation is also only just getting to this so I don't want to throw shade at anime but I feel like especially for an anime that came out in the early 2000s having a show tell girls you know it's you don't actually need to to ruin your friendships if you both like a guy it's nice and good and this is a good show for children <laughs> yeah fair it's, I, it, it just always makes me happy when I see that come up in shows aimed at younger audiences it's Especially since Tutu is basically the embodiment of therapy. Yes. T- like, uh, Duck's going to be a great therapist when she grows up. Like, she's going to figure out a bunch of problems for people and help them work through it. Or help them at least dance through it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Is dance therapy not the preferred form of therapy? <laughs> Isn't it the only form of therapy in this world? Yes. Wow. And I that's to... what makes it magical. <laughs> I need to find a new therapist. <laughs> I was, I feel like this set, um, these episodes do push it a little bit wrong noted with, uh, with the marriage stuff. Like, I feel like the Freya episode hits the wrong note just a little bit with the, with the, oh no, I don't want to marry this ugly girl gag, which is what it essentially is. Like, I might enjoy creeping on my students, but I want it to be the hot one. I'm like, "Mm, yeah, hit a sour note with that joke there. Yeah, mm. I feel like generally Mr. Cat stuff has been goofy and then bleh. Yeah. Yeah, that's I feel he's getting like more airtime, especially in this arc. Like he's suddenly become the love guru. Which is a weird choice, right? Yeah. I don't understand, but I did like when he was freaking out so much about um who was it with with Retzel came in and was talking about getting married and he just like flipped his shit and he was what so a- happy and excited for his students. I was like, okay, that's, that's good. I think. The, although also the low key despair. One yeah. of my students is getting married before me. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's funny. I yeah. liked that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, I feel like it, it wants, it wants to have a character, an older character whose role is to be, a little bit wise and pull back these young characters who are who have these very fantastical and unrealistic ideas about love and some of the episodes last time that we talked about did that fairly surprisingly well but now it's almost like oh no this is the only character we have who can deliver those lines but also he's terrible yep it's like oh well we only built in this one so it's what you're stuck with we only have one teacher fuck (laughs) That's curious, too. It's like, we're all other teachers. I guess they're not that important. Hmm. Yeah, it, it is definitely kind of to the show's benefit that it can shrug its shoulders and be like, ah, uh, magic. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like there's been a lot more of that. It's like, oh, but yes, magic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, almost e- ever since um, Rue ad- acknowledged that uh, Drosselmeyer is there, it's like we've... That Drosselmeyer has a lot of monologues about how things are going on behind the scenes, which I feel like has a lot of impact here. Mm. Yes. Um, including that shadowy figure that we will apparently learn more about soon, I think, based mm. on the last... I thought that was Drosselmeyer. Uh, yeah. They're, um, they've actually introduced all of the very important characters in these episodes. Oh. But you may not have realized it yet. Okay. Mm. Yeah, that shadow, like the hooded figure that's been sneaking around the shadows and stealing the ends of stories. Pretty sure that's someone 
What if it's Mr. Cat? What if that's why he's been so prominent? That would I doubt be quite it. a twist. I doubt it. Yeah, who would it be? It's yeah. it Uzura. Yes. That is the yes, that would that would be a good reason why there would be such an annoying child character who you can't be rid of. <laughs> it, it's nah, it, it, we are nah, nah. It, this is as good a time as any to talk about uh I had forgotten that this run of episodes would end with uh with the second episode about Fakir's backstory, which is kind of mm. the most, the last most important paradigm shift for the show. Mm -hmm. And this idea about making stories that are real. I want to know how you felt about that episode. Surprised? Also sad? Because the crows killed his parents? That's so He's rude. Batman. Yeah, that yeah. was pretty dark. <laughs> I was... Okay, so there's actually been a lot of dark stuff in this run, um, at mm -hmm. very slight tangent, but with the ghost knight, he, like, slashed his wife in half. Like, jeez. Yeah, it's a bloodless show, but it gets remarkably dark in the back half. It's why I probably wouldn't give it to anybody younger than 10. Yeah. Mm. Um, but with Fakir, it's, it's curious, because obviously this is, like, a repressed thing, and then there's that uh, teaser for the next episodes that's saying is, someone is descendant of Drosselmeyer, and I'm, I'm obviously they're kind of teasing probably Fakir if he was really writing these stories that had the power to come to life. Um, and that's curious because, like, did he write himself into the prince role? Is, like, the prince, or not the prince, sorry, uh, the knight role. Is, like, the knight actually dead this whole time? And he's not actually the knight? And he's just, I don't know, fill, just kind of filling it's a in. Lot. Yeah, but at the same time, he does have the scars. So, mm -hmm. who knows? I mean... Yeah. The, the scars like kind of clearly cast him in that role right mm -hmm. um i i'm thinking he's both both the writer mm. and the knight maybe he's writing a self-insert fanfic <laughs> <laughs> the solution to everything is fanfic i feel like this is a strong uh narrative reading that we can do of the show <laughs> i mean i'm joking but i'm also not because the half the reason the story has been as untragic as it has before is that two characters who die and have almost no lines have done a whole lot of stuff. That's true. Right. And that that is what is the purpose of fan fiction, if not to take characters that the author didn't give a shit about and give them internal life. Yeah, absolutely true. Fan fiction. It's good, <laughs> actually. God, fan... <laughs> Fakir is a shipping god. Who knew? <laughs> That's right. Hell yes. Fakir, king and idol of the fanfiction community. <laughs> this is good. I feel so I enlightened. Like this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's... It kind of... It completely reassigns this whole thing of like... Who has agency and what amount of control is there? And you know, can you change the can you change the story from inside the story? Right, and someone's obviously pushing. I think Fakir to do that. Like again, I was saying earlier, because um, someone's stealing all the end of those stories. So, like, he has to figure out what's the next step. And I do like that. This is potentially like driving him to work more with Tutu because I guess or Duck because Duck is like came to him just like I need you to do this. You can change it. Obviously, he's scared for very good reasons because I'm sure 
whenever he was a very small child writing about being the hero in the crows, he was not prepared. <laughs> and so Yeah, and that's a that's a big part of this too, is that in order to keep this from being a literal Deus Ex Machina, his power doesn't work or it works horribly. Right. And so it's kind of I know, I'm really interested to see how that all plays out just because was it actually his fault, or did he just write a bad story because he was a child? Mm-hmm. Right. So. <laughs> because children are bad writers, actually. Hey, you gotta get those details in there. Maybe it was a comma mm. issue. Yeah. Oh. oh. Oh, snap. <laughs> this is why the Oxford comma is literally a life or death matter, children. <laughs> Always use it. It's just the right choice. I refuse. AP <gasps> tried to warm you. I am still at. Oh no, we can't be friends anymore. AP style to the death. AP style to the death. <laughs> I'm also AP style, but I also choose the Oxford comma. <laughs> My God, I'm learning so much. It's like like people I don't even recognize anymore. I know. It's okay. I don't have. Uh, so we kind of haven't talked about Rue at all this yet, and that's we need to talk about Rue. I want to give her a hug. Please give Rue a hug. I'm starting a charity to give hugs to Rue. <laughs> yeah, it was really nice to know that she's not actually the Raven, and like some of those theories are, are that I kind of had are kind of correct. Mm-hmm. Um, she's related to the Raven, but she is not the Raven, and she needs help. <laughs> she needs so much help. Yeah, I do. Since you guys are both uh, watching the dub. I almost wish you had access to the Japanese audio, but, uh, you know, her 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 name is Krehi, but the way it's pronounced in the Japanese audio is Kreru, which I think it, you know, it has the Ru appended at the end there, which I think is maybe a play on words that gets a little bit lost in translation with also the German stuff on top. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just like, oh, no, this was a part of you all along. But, yeah, she's. She has a horrible, abusive parent who tells her she's unlovable every day and has been and is constantly gaslighting her. It's terrible. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. is constantly threatening her. God. He needs to get away. Just... Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's Duck and uh, Rue both have these back and forth conversations about whether Rue is a real person or not, and I d- I don't know how deeply this show meant to go into this because it is it's touching on some dark stuff but it is kind of her children at the end of the day but the fact that that she almost loses the person she is when she was happy because because of the ingratiating like uh you know malleable person she tries to be uh when she's with her father it makes me really sad it's like this very incidental sad conversation about what constant abuse does yeah Mm-hmm. It's like obviously when she was just Rue, like she separated from that and she got to be herself and just worry about dance and school. And now that she's gone back to being cranky and like adjusting to all of this, that she has to, yeah, refocus her priorities to something that's really awful. Mm-hmm. And it it definitely adds a much darker underpinning to the, like we talked about, the the kind of natural teenage inclination to to be to not really know what mutual love is but to just be desperate for somebody to love you and to have that badge of honor it 
it's much darker now. Yeah, like, mm-hmm. it, it makes a lot more sense as to why she was, like, happy with literally anything. Like, even if Muto wasn't actually himself and saying, I love you, like, that still meant the world to her. And uh, seeing her father, that makes a lot of sense, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That is something uh, that Muto now, who is who is now Peter Parker, I accept this. <laughs> I demand there to be some, I, I demand that somebody animate him walking down and doing the finger guns at oh people. Oh no. <laughs> I already I'd see admit, it. It's really good, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Alright, but- give me a few minutes. I'll, I'll hook it up. <laughs> yes. Good, I have the power to make things happen and I'm using my power for evil. <laughs> um, but a lot of Muto's dialogue and you know, it's unspoken, but there with Rue is is this idea of what does it mean to love someone versus to be loved? Because Muto, as he's poisoned, is looking to be loved, but these people don't mean anything to him, which is what was Rue was supposedly doing in the first seat uh, in the first half, but that is clearly becoming not true of her. Like she she does genuinely love him, even though he's horrible to her, mm-hmm. which right. is. Not necessarily good, but also she's not in a good place either. Yeah, and I kind of wonder how long she's going to be willing to take that abuse from Muto especially, because um, I agree in thinking that she absolutely cares for him in her own way, and even though the way she was willing to like let that happen before was really awful, um, Like I do believe in her love for him, and seeing him change into a different person kind of goes against what she wanted since the very beginning um and she's just believing that this is gonna be a person that will love her but he's not at all so there is something very upsetting in the implication that she keeps insisting that he's turning into someone who will love her and he's starting to become someone who parrots her father's abusive statements at her that is horribly upsetting yeah i mean there there is that kind of concept of cycle of abuse like you kind of seek out people because Mm -hmm. that's what you're used to but at the same time i feel Mm -hmm. there there has to be a breaking point yeah Mm -hmm. yeah yeah like it it cannot and i'll be i'll definitely be interested to come back and talk about that with you two uh in the next episode i think um rue's character arc bears a lot of conversation as it were okay right i hope mm-hmm. i don't know i just i just want the best for her i want tutu to run in there just grab her just take her out and they just team up together and there's a lot of hugs and and like hot chocolate or something i don't care just some good comforting moments because she definitely needs it and i think you can see it every time she meets mm-hmm. up with her father she's like worn down more and more and more and she's just threatened even further and it's it's hard to watch Mm-hmm. Yeah, her her body language and and the vocal performance are just so fragile. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot. She got rejected, and now she has to do all this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I feel like that uh, that theme of what does it mean to love someone? Like, is love infinitely selfless? Like, at what point does self care enter into that conversation? Are these questions that the show intends to answer? Because it's definitely it's definitely raising those ideas of what is selfless, what is selfish, what is when is each okay, and how do you need to balance them? Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
It's so weird to me that in in the second half they put the Midsummer Night's Dream episode. That's that's such a comedy of errors that is not even one of the deeper commentaries of of Shakespeare plays. <laughs> I mean, I suspect it's because it's about a group of four people who each loves who 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 has crossed affections and then it shakes out that everybody ha- ends up with the right person. I suspect that is why the the, the writing team has chosen it. Hmm. But it, it is also kind of it's it's cute the the nice the nice dancer and the nice sculptor they like each other that's all right that's fine (laughs) oh no that statue was a little creepy you know it's like it's a yeah uh, it's a little i was shocked that was like (laughs) uh, oh okay how long turn around girl turn around (laughs) just walk away maybe (laughs) maybe you're 13 and walk away Excuse me, she's an upperclassman. She may be as old as 14. Big prince there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know so much about the world at 14. Anime would anime would like you to know that with all of its 14-year-old protagonists. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like, or I was actually looking at my notes. I was like, which episode was that? I was like, oh, yes, episode 19, I think. I actually didn't really write that many notes for it because I felt kind of throwaway in a way. Which, like, Yeah, it's... It's very much a breather episode. It is yeah. it is almost purely there for the love letter shenanigans. Mm-hmm. I think the only yeah. Um I saw Ahiru was on the letter. Uh-huh. And it's like, why didn't you guys put duck? That's that's silly. Maybe that's, uh, that's just from the Japanese one. It, it is. Um the the Japanese lettering is is written in English and I think they just didn't go through. And also like I said, I think the um the high dive release is just the Japanese video because it mm. doesn't. I watched one or two episodes on that service, and it doesn't seem to have even the the sort of basic add-ons and uh, corrections and incidental text that the home release does in the dub. So it's just kind of, well, it's better than nothing. At least I can watch it, and I can't wait to buy the full version whenever it goes on sale next on Sentai. Yeah, I've heard it's, I've heard it's also on Prime, but I don't know if that is also dub only. Oh, I haven't checked into that one. I can, I will check that right after this. <laughs> the possibilities are endless. I feel like, I feel like shifting audio tracks three quarters of the way through the show might be dangerous, dangerous indeed. I feel like I've done worse things. <laughs> I'm willing. I'm willing to check it out. Oh. I guess in episode 19, we also did learn the one, I think, very important thing there, aside from romance is, is whack, um, <laughs> and devotion's weird, uh, the shards, the rest of the shards of Muta's heart are with the raven. Yeah, that's, right. it's a big deal. Which makes sense, because that was the whole thing. It's like he had to, like, you know, break his heart so he could keep down the raven. And mm-hmm. what does undoing him entail like or undoing all of that entail for everybody in the story and for muto and will they actually go back to the book and mm-hmm. yeah there's like before he he gets tainted by evil uh, muto talks very nonchalantly about he'll just go back to his story but like what does that what does that mean i think with the show is starting to get into deeper questions of People mention a lot, well, you can't stop the story now. And I think 
this is it's another case of duck has thought she wants to do a good thing and she did do a good thing but when you're young you don't realize that some changes are irreversible and they're bigger than you think they are right Mm -hmm. it's a good metaphor for life (laughs) um but yeah the 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 heart shards on the raven are definitely a big part of that because well you can finish your job and you will set a cataclysmic event in motion good luck yeah, that raven not only seems huge, but also is obviously super evil. So, Just real super evil. And Drosselmeyer seems chill with all of this, as long as it's entertaining. Because he's terrible. Yeah. I mean, he wants so- to see them suffer, after all. That's that's <laughs> the one clear thing that we've always seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he really takes a backseat role for these, uh, for these episodes. He's he's there at the uh, the mid the mid act break, but he doesn't interfere much except the one time. To to specifically to say, oh hey, by the way, here's this terrible looming thing in your future. Yeah, Drosselmeyer was also I think kind of scared in episode eighteen, the end of the Ghost Night. Like he was kind of freaking out that there's something else happening that he can't control anymore. So I'm mm. curious what that means going forward because it hasn't really been touched on since so well Mm. i mean what if going by you know fakir being a potential uh descendant and having the power to control stories maybe there was some unconscious writing going on I am just enchanted now with the idea of Fakir as, as a corrective fan fiction writer. That's <laughs> I'm just delighted. It's mm, yes, yes, good. Who among us cannot relate to my son? Oh dear, <laughs> playing right into you. <laughs> no, that would be weird. Is this what Fakir goes on to do after the story is done? Like he's just like, all right, time to go write some fan fiction and fix some stories. It's good. Yeah, I think that's sort of the last big thing we haven't touched on yet for this run of episodes is the idea of who has what role Um, and the fact that even though we've ostensibly started over, all the characters are are struggling and questioning and finding trying to find either either they've been shoved into new purposes and they've embraced that and it's gotten very bad for them or they are sort of struggling with who they are and what they want to do. Mm-hmm. Mm. Feel... It feels kind of... Oh, go ahead. Oh, please go mm. ahead. No, go ahead. Okay. I feel like Rue's kind of become... Even though she's evil, she's also become the damsel in distress in this situation, mm-hmm. which is kind of unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Like, I would have just loved her to... Even if she is going to be evil, I would have just loved her if she was plain evil. And to have like, some more control over it. Mm-hmm. She's... Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I know what you mean. Like, watching this um, watching this set of episodes, both the, the, the male characters really take center stage in some ways. Um, I mean, Muto is sort of a damsel in his own way, but because it involves him, his body being puppeted by evil, it also, he's also paradoxically very active. Yeah, he's empowered mm-hmm. to do things, even though it's not himself. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And meanwhile... Fakir is finding out a whole lot of things about himself, but Duck is Duck is that kind of very straightforward sort of heroine, so she hasn't really stepped back and thought about 
who she is and where she belongs ever since accepting that she's Princess Tutu. So mm-hmm. she hasn't ha- she she's been very there and she's very good, but she hasn't had as much growth. Right. She's mm-hmm. yeah, definitely feels more stagnant. Just like, hey, Fakir, we're friends. I need you to help me do this thing because you're the mm-hmm. one who's going to do it. And yep. it's just like, oh, I want Tutu to have a more active role in this and an active way to figure out how to fix it. What was I going to say? Is this something about Rue? Oh, hmm. her role is also kind of weird because her context in the story doesn't make sense anymore. Mm-hmm. Because she's not the Raven. Hmm. Who is she? Who indeed? Oh, no! <laughs> I, this is fun. Now I see why that old creep enjoys this. <laughs> God. <laughs> Just wants to see everyone be flustered and watching just being generally and nebulously ominous at people is delightful <laughs> mm, it's what are you supposed to do it's kind of weird because oh, i felt dear. so confident coming into this like knowing who everyone was and what their roles are what they're supposed to do even though the whole point i think of the first half was like f- fitting your role or, and choosing whether or not you want to do that and this seems like they're that doesn't even matter anymore they're just kind of doing their own thing hmm yeah, and it, uh, nobody's really commented in, in this part of the story about the fact that this is a magic town where strange things happen to people while they're here, specifically. Mm-hmm. It's a closed circle. Right. Mm. Hmm. And uh, Fakir is having to struggle with the fact that he can't do the traditionally manly thing right. that he feels like he needs to do. And Muto keeps goading him on for it. Just like, mm-hmm. oh, you couldn't even die at the right time. It's like, please, stop. Right, because <laughs> the manly thing is to fight and to die, and Fakir can't do that because he's afraid and wants to live, which is good. Those yes. are good things. Yeah. But they're not they're not traditionally masculine things, and, and now he's being pushed into doing art, which, you know, everybody is an artist in this show, but for him, it's very much about having to put aside the fact that he is heroic, but he has to find a different definition of what heroism is. Mm-hmm. It was good seeing him shut, getting shut down with the whole ghost knight thing. It's like, this isn't... No, stop. You're wrong. <laughs> Please do stop. It's He's come so far. And I see so much conflict with him, too, because like he's go- pouring over all those books, going like, why aren't these stories um, containing any kind of ending at all? And, like, Mm -hmm. he's looking for answers through those endings, right? So he's, Mm -hmm. like, confused and scared even more. Right. This this idea of a story doesn't have meaning unless it has an ending um, is kind of a big deal. And it's an interesting thought. Like, we have so many stories in anime. Like, you know, I think anime is unique in some ways and people like it for, you know, you have your 26 episodes and you're done. But also... Shoujo and Shonen in particular have these long, 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 long running series that just never end. And it's about the journey and like, does a story need an ending in order to have meaning? Mm -hmm. Right. And I guess maybe this half going off the rails a bit makes sense in a way because the story in particular does not have an ending. Like Ross Miller died and didn't write it. And now they're just kind of off the rails and no one knows what's going to happen. Well, and that happens when someone when you just keep writing a story ad infinitum too, right? Like the characters right. lose their sense of who they are, and it becomes, I feel like a lot of times a worse story, but by me, by by needs a different story, mm-hmm. like 
you know, looking at things that are within the Harry Potter universe after those, after the initial story, like what, if you asked somebody in 19 or in, in 2008, what those books were and what kind of story it was, or if you asked somebody today, they would give you two very different answers. Right. I'm a nerd about this kind of thing. <laughs> it's very interesting to me. Oh, it is. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, I guess the I guess the solution here is that Fakir writes the end of the story. It's kind of seems what they're pushing toward. So mm. interesting. Yeah, hopefully hopefully he sucks less by then. <laughs> he yeah. did kill his parents. Somehow developed his skills as a writer even though he stopped writing and Well, he's read a lot. <laughs> he's he's read a lot of things. That's that bodes well. It's good that's a that's a point in his favor. Lots of reading. Important in honing your talents. Yeah, uh, it's also like dance has been an important way of communicating emotion. But these episodes have definitely emphasized that all art tells stories and communicates feelings, which I think is kind of nice because dance is very hard. Dance is an exclusionary art, especially ballet. Like oh, yeah. most most ballet dancers will have incredibly intensive surgeries on their ankles or knees by the time they're like thirty five at the latest. Oof. Yeah, it's it's a very beautiful art, but only a very small number of people can do it. So it it's nice that it, flowers are flowers are good, and <laughs> sculpture is good, and painting is good, and plays are good, and it's all good, just as long as you're communicating how you feel about things. Yeah, no, it's 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 ultimately a small and throwaway thing, but I like it. <laughs> Me too. As someone who cannot dance. <laughs> yeah. Especially as someone who cannot dance. <laughs> yeah. Um, I hope that they've put them onto the DVDs. Uh, the, the original Pioneer ones included these very cute little segments that were ballet for beginners, which, which tell you some of the basic terminology and what poses look like. They're really cute little extras that they put together. And I can Aww, use it, that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that through Tutu? Like, does she teach those? No, no. It's like um, it's like a little live action explainer. They weren't on the original Japanese DVDs. They actually went out and made them for the American release. It was a really nice touch. Oh, that's really cool. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's neat. They're like short little videos, but it's it's cool, especially if this like you know inspires a young viewer or an older viewer. It's like. It's not like you can't do ballet when you're older. You're just never going to go pro at it. And also, it will fuck up your legs because <laughs> it's a very vertical art. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm sort of constantly surprised by how nice a release that original one was. The The original covers are very cute because it's all of them are um, each of the four leads like in different show costumes um, and like posed to dance with one another and it's oh yeah it's good it's good i miss when when home video releases for anime actually had some extra shine on them and i feel like streaming is really good but that's the one sort of thing we've lost is that there's not as much emphasis on when it comes out on video it's not as big an event it's just kind of an extra thing for collectors right it's collectors or people who are trying to save older licenses for their libraries 
my extremely extensive collection because they keep yanking things unceremoniously from streaming yeah it's like i've been trying to make sure i get like if this is my favorite thing i will own it because just in case (laughs) it could could go at any time never know and you just wouldn't know it's upsetting yeah yeah so next time we're going to be watching the last six episodes of the series and i want to know what you think is going to happen Okay. Hmm. Jackie, would you like to go first? Sure. So, I mean, I know we've been figuring Fakir might be uh, the descendant for for uh, Drosselmeyer, but I want to also say, like, what if it's the library boy? Hmm. Interesting. I know he's probably the throwaway focus of the week, but what if? I just want to see Library Boy shine because he's been he's been <laughs> you're, so you're angry. A big fan of Library Chan. <laughs> <laughs> he's so mad all the time. Rightfully so. People coming in and having dramatic scenes in his library. <laughs> it's upsetting. I think if Yuzura got anywhere near me, I'd be very upset. So. <laughs> Yes. justified <laughs> like like it's hard to portray small children in media and all but oh she's precious just just terribly precious she's gonna be important isn't she that much i, I have no comment on any for <laughs> on any future plot events but i'm just saying like you know <laughs> she's been introduced she's gonna do something important that's uncharacteristically adult of her or whatever. <laughs> because because it would be entirely soul-crushing if this character were introduced and had no narrative purpose. Aside from being annoying. Yeah. <laughs> Impossible to contemplate. Well, this is anime, so... <laughs> true. <laughs> it's true. I think she's... Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> Alright. Library-chan. Got it. I wouldn't believe that the descendant is Lilier. If we're if we're voting for anybody here, <laughs> she loves chaos. I feel like that would be so bad. <laughs> it'd be bad for literally everyone. It'd be the worst, but it would make so much sense. <laughs> <laughs> it would be the end of like anime Gataris instead. <laughs> yeah. No, I think she's gonna keep doing what she's doing. Yeah, Library Boy probably makes a lot of sense. Um, considering he also, I would assume, loves stories if he's in a library. They are where books happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think Rue's going to come around and betray her father and probably try to help Muto get out of that blood because it's, it's bad, very bad blood. <laughs> it's very bad that, that you might say they've got bad blood. <laughs> oh, I hate myself for that. <laughs> oh. Peter, don't. Don't cut that. Show my shame to the world. <laughs> um, what else? Hmm. I- I'm just curious how Tutu fits in aside from just like helping talk through. Like I would like to see her develop in some sort of way. Because mm. like we were saying before, it doesn't feel like she's really changed much. Like she's still just the nice carrying Ooh, dog. Um nice carrying yeah, he's helping. girl, so yeah, yeah, it's it's kind of her time to to step up and make a decisive 
decision on on who she is and who she wants her story to be about. Yeah. I believe in her. She's a good girl. She is my daughter. They're all such good children. Yeah. And I'm really curious because this show has tried so hard to shy away from violence and, like, Tutu said, like, violence isn't the answer. Like, you can work things out in other ways. Like, fighting isn't going to solve anything. So how does that play in with the Raven, who is very obviously super evil and will absolutely not listen to Tutu? He will not dance with her. I bet you he would say no. So, like, (laughs) how do they solve that? I mean, I guess it has to be something with Muto because he's the one who's supposed to defeat the Raven, but... I want to say, yes. like, if all of them combine their powers, somehow, they'll defeat the Raven. That's that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Yes, yes, good. By your powers combined is my favorite <laughs> anime trope. Wait, no, that was Captain Planet. Dang it. <laughs> Have the, the, the Lord of the Dance, we can call him. <laughs> right, these are good. These are good. I think... I think you, uh, you ladies will enjoy the last... I've never gotten through this show without crying. Oh! Um, so... I'll take that as a challenge. The, the last... No, it's not a challenge! <laughs> I, I hate when people... I, I hate when people say that because crying is a good emotion. Crying means that the show did good. <laughs> it, it is It is merely... It is merely a statement of fact. I have watched this show three times and I have cried every single one. Wow. Okay, I'm ready. I'm actually excited <laughs> that we recorded this already because what I do is I turn around and start watching it immediately. Because <laughs> I, I, I'm really enjoying this. Even though we did Hello, I'm I'm super excited to see how this all wraps up because I've always heard just such good things about this show. So mm. I believe in Tutu. <laughs> I, I am glad that uh, that you both seem to be more, more or less enjoying it on the whole, which you know, warms my heart. <laughs> Thank you for this opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> Aw. Well, we'll have one more. We'll have one more time to see to see if you still feel that way, or if if you curse my name next time around. Oh, I'm sure I'll um, enjoy it. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll come back next time to talk about the last few episodes and the series as a whole. And until then, thank you so much for listening to us, Anna Fam. If you liked this, you can find more episodes by looking uh, for chatty af on soundcloud and if you really liked this you can toss us a dollar or more on patreon at patreon.com slash anime feminist your contributions no matter how small really go a long way towards making new anime fan content on the website and www.animefeminist.com and in your earbuds and if you're missing us between now and the next episode you can always find more of us online we are on facebook at anime femme we are on tumblr at anime feminist and we are on twitter at anime feminist until next time listeners be the authors of your own stories <laughs> <laughs>